When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So good morning, Charged Up Studio listeners. I'm so glad to have you here with us once again. This is Dana Oliva, your host and CEO of Market Academy LLC. Brand storytelling has been all the buzz for many years now within the entrepreneurial and marketing landscape. However, since COVID, it has become even more important than ever to set a brand apart from the massive amount of messaging out there competing for the same brass ring. So buyers are seeking authentic brands to trust and rely on. So how do we compete with others who profess the same value that we bring to the table? Brand storytelling engages the buying audience into the storyline. They see themselves as the hero in your story and trust that you can meet their needs. So today we have one of the gurus of brand storytelling to discuss how your story matters and the way that you market the story matters as well. He works with coaches and consultants, positioning themselves in front of their niche through podcasting. He's been building brands since he was a six was since he was 16 years old having purpose-driven brands build their businesses and market in authentic ways. Let's give a big charged up studio welcome to Mr. Seth Silvers with Story on Media and Marketing. So welcome, Seth. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I really appreciate it. No, I'm glad to have you here. So before we get in, I always like to start off my my sessions, my my episodes with asking my my guest a very obscure question, something that's going to kind of break the ice and and kind of get us give us a little bit of insight on you. All personally. right, let's go for it. Are you ready? I'm ready. So since we're talking about the topic of storytelling, let's put you on the spot. Has anyone started a rumor about you? And if so, what was it about? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, so I'll dive in there and I will, uh, I'm, this is going to go deep for a minute, yeah. but we might as well go there. So when I was in, I went to a private Christian college, um, and my faith is super important to me. So I knew, you know, I, I was really excited to go to a college where I could develop intellectually, but also, you know, learn in my faith. And, uh, I went, I was in several leadership positions, um, at this college two years into college and was serving a lot. Like, I feel like I, at the time I found a lot of my identity through like the things I was providing and serving people. Um, and I still had a lot to learn and I ended up getting in this relationship that 
um, wasn't super healthy and it was, it was secretive because I like, didn't want people to know about it. And I think that anytime something is in the, in the secret, it, uh, it, it festers, like it grows in ways it shouldn't. And so this relationship was something that, you know, me and me and this person, we ended up coming forward to the leadership at our school. And at the school we were at, you know, we had, we had an honor code and certain, you know, standards that we were expected to live by. Um, and so we came forward and we ended up stepping down from all of our leadership positions and kind of talking to the school about, Hey, here's what, here's what's happened. Here's what's going on. Um, and, uh, you know, we need help. Like, can you help us to like work through some of these problems? So that happened. And over the next few months, um, it was now looking back, it's, it's sad. Cause I ended up losing a lot of my friends. Cause a lot, you know, a lot of friends were kind of, uh, there were a lot of people that were, um, around me. Like I was in a leadership position. I was providing a lot of tangible value. And then once I was not in that because of some things going on in my personal life, uh, people were not as interested to be friends with me. And a lot of this is probably because at 19, 20 years old, how mature can we really be? But now, you know, that was 10, 11, maybe 12 years ago. I actually just had a conversation with somebody last week who I was reconnecting from college. I had not spoken with them since before all of this happened. And they even just said, they were like, oh yeah, we heard about stuff going on. And I was like, but you never talked to me about it. Like you never asked about it. And so even now, a decade later, still when I reconnect with people from college, sometimes um, they'll share like, oh yeah, we heard this happen. And we heard this happen. And we heard this happen. And it was like, no, those are not the things that happened. Um, but nobody really knew because they didn't come and talk to me. So that was one of, that's probably a little bit more of a, a deeper, like more complex yeah. answer than you might've been looking for. But that was one of the main times in my life where it was really interesting because I actually lost a lot of friends because there was rumors going around um, and people weren't talking to me about it. And so I, I didn't really get to, I didn't really get a clarify. And it yeah. wasn't even about clarifying those stories, but people didn't get to know the story. Um, and the, some of my closest friends to this day are the ones that in that season of my life, which was really hard, um, they stepped into my story. Um, and they actually asked me the question of what's going on, uh, rather than just assuming based off of the rumors like, that they heard. That's when you, you find out who your true, true friends are. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's true. Who your true friends are, you know, and things like that. So yeah. It, that went a completely different direction than what I thought it would. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. That's okay. The whole idea is to kind of, you know, get to know who Seth is a little bit more, you know, as far as this mm -hmm. is concerned. So, no, that's great. So let's go on to our next question. And, you know, it's, it, it would kind of lead into this a little bit. So when working with your clients, okay, what do you find is the most common problem? they run into in creating a notable brand? That is a good question. I think that the most notable problem, and I'll say that this, this is probably the one that we just get talked to the most. I mean, it really is exposure. I think people usually, you don't start a business because you don't care. Like usually when people start businesses, there's a passion behind it. There's a reason behind it. And I think that the biggest problem is people don't really know how to get that word out there. And also there's so much noise and so much different advice around how do you get that story out there? How should you get that story? Everybody has an opinion on what a company should be doing with marketing. And so I think that's the biggest problem is people are running businesses because they care. 
Yeah. But then they're wondering to themselves, how, how do we get this out there? How do we get other people to see how much we care? Well, and, and it's, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, as a strategist and I'm a marketer by trade. Okay. And I'm also a business strategist, but what I continuously talk to my clients about is, you know, when we're talking about marketing, we're not just talking about the marketing tools and the marketing channels. We're not just talking about how we're going to get the brand out there, but how are we going to prove this brand through operations, okay, through our people, through, um, you know, our quality control. So it's a holistic approach when you're talking about, you know, um, the, the, the brand, it's more than just the look or the feel mm -hmm. or anything like that. Okay. And yeah. I think that's where people get confused or not necessarily confused, but get overwhelmed with how do I make this stand out when everybody else is doing the same thing? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's so many, there's so much noise out there. Like even in my world, which is mostly podcasting right now. It has um, just taken off like crazy. Everybody and anybody is going into podcasting. It does seem that way. And the numbers show that too. Uh, like I just, I think I actually just saw yesterday, somebody, one, one company said over 5 million podcasts, but it's between four and 5 million podcasts. The thing that people don't realize is the number of active podcasts is definitely less than 10% of that. That's podcasts that have posted in the last 30 days. And the same thing is true. Almost, you know, I remember with when blogging was popular, that was kind of blogging was a really big deal when I first started getting into marketing when I was in college. And even then it was like, you know, 80% of blogs don't, don't last past the first month. Like people start blogs, but then 80%, eight out of 10 people, they don't keep going past four or five posts. It's the same thing with podcasting and YouTubing um, now. And so that's one of the main ways people can stand out and can get their story out there is keep telling it. Like don't, and, and, and the you can't, again, there's so many platforms. And so I know that's, that's a challenge is like, okay, well, how do I keep telling stories on all of these platforms? And that can be a big challenge for people. Interesting. Interesting. So as we as we continue talking about podcasting, why podcasting over other marketing channels? Why do you focus more on the podcasting? Is it just yeah. expert at that, or do you honestly believe that podcasting um, uh, kind of gives a leg up on the branding storytelling side? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I think there is a real piece of like, I like podcasting a lot. And it seems to be something that I have become decent at, um, hopefully good in some people's eyes. And it's energizing to me. Um, I could record podcasts. all like if I have a whole day of recording podcasts or a whole day of recording like YouTube videos, um, my energy level at the end of that is going to be very, very different. And so I think it's important to look at like what energizes you and for a lot of businesses that are wondering like, where do I get started with content, with storytelling? Start in the medium that energizes you the most. I think beyond that, I do think podcasting does give an additional leg up. Partially because when people, like people don't accidentally stumble upon a podcast, um, they're starting to a little bit more with like YouTube and different platforms like that. But usually when people come to podcasts, they are looking to learn. They're looking to engage. They're looking to like add to their knowledge or to like 
in a, in the fiction world of podcasting, they're looking to be entertained. Mm -hmm. So it's very different than a lot of social media videos or content where you're kind of trying to like interrupt people's days and they're stumbling upon your stuff. So that's why we have a lot like higher retention rates, advertising rates are much higher in podcasting than they are on YouTube. Um, and I think it's because most people that listen to your podcast episode, they're listening to the whole thing. They're not listening to 30 seconds and then going to another one. Most people, once they come across an episode, um, they're going to listen to the majority of it. And so I think for that reason, time, time equals trust in relationships. And I think people buy from who they trust. Right. And so the more time you can spend with your audience, the better in the long run. And so I think podcasting gives an opportunity for people to spend more time with their audience because people listen to podcasts, listen to more of a podcast than they might other platforms. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, I've been doing my, this podcast charged up studio. I've been doing it for, um, just over three years. And I find I really like the podcasting because I connect with people. I can connect with my guests, mm -hmm. you know, and things like that. But what I also find is in an, in a time where we're limited in our face-to-face -face contact with a lot of people, you know, this is just, this is another avenue that we can use to connect. Um, and I do both the audio and the video. So I do post the full videos on YouTube as well. But what I have noticed, I didn't start this podcast as a, uh, a moneymaker. Okay, it was primarily begun as a tool, a funnel tool to my academy. Okay, so it's an educational tool that leads to the academy. But what I have noticed over the last, I'd say probably four months or whatever, is the increase in subscribers that are coming on. More and more subscribers are signing up. Do you think that is because of the fact that people are starting to um, uh, take more of a, uh, how can I say, a positive effort towards getting back out there again? Yes. Are you saying more people are signing up for, to subscribe to the mark, to your, to your marketplace? Yeah. To charge okay. the studio. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a big piece of that's prob probably because you've been doing it a little while and you're still doing it. And I think there's so many, like for every business, there's always people that are thinking about hiring you. Um, there's always people, you usually don't know who those people are, but there's always somebody who's thinking about it. And so I think one of the best ways to reach those people is to show them that you're sticking around and that you're doing good work. Consistency. Yeah, exactly. The consistency. So I think consistency is one of our best tools to kind of bring in that fringe audience that knows about you. They're problem aware, they're solution aware, but they're not quite ready to pull the trigger yet. Um, and so I think, you know, that's probably one piece of it is that you're probably hitting a new kind of tier of consistency and longevity to where people are seeing with you and with your business. Oh, this isn't just like a flash in the pan. This isn't just another thing she's trying. She's right. here to stay. Right. Right. No, and I, I fully agree with you as far as that's concerned, you know, consistency, and especially when it comes to podcasting, I find as much as I love the podcasting, the consistency aspect takes work. It takes a commitment. And especially when you've got other things going on at the same time, when you're not using that podcast as your number one uh, moneymaker, per se. Right. Um, yeah. and so 
you know, I've, I've actually had to go out and hire somebody who can do the editing and everything else for me now, you know. So uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly that consistency does add to it, you know, considerable. So what is the biggest hurdle when you work with someone who is unfamiliar with podcasting that you run into when you, what's the biggest hurdle they have to overcome? Is it getting comfortable in front of the camera or the microphone in this case? What? I I don't think it's that. It's actually the mindset behind it. Um, a lot of people, they've seen podcasts blow up. They've seen a lot of celebrity podcasts. You know, we'll use Joe Rogan as the classic example yeah. in the podcasting space. But there's a lot of people that they see Joe Rogan. They see that he got a $200 million deal with Spotify. And they don't think that they'll be Joe Rogan. Um, but they might think that they'll be, um, you know, a 200th of Joe Rogan and be a million dollar podcaster. And so I think that we look at these big, big shows and we listen to some of the prominent shows. We listen to the NPR shows, the Wondery shows, amazing shows. Um, but we don't realize all that goes into them when we start an indie podcast or you start a podcast for your small business. The reality is a lot of those big production houses. Um, and I was, I was just last week with quite a few people from Wondery, which is they were just bought maybe two years ago for $350 million by um, Amazon. So like huge acquisition, huge production teams, they have five to 10 people working on every single show. You know, they're probably spending tens of thousands of dollars in production on every single show, every episode. Wow. And so, yes, they're bringing in a lot of money. They're bringing in hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. Um, so that's amazing. But we hear these shows and we're like, okay, cool. I'm going to do that. Or we listen to our favorite show and it has all these ads on it. And so we're like, okay, cool. I'm going to get ads. The reality is um, that unless you're really doing 50 to a hundred to a few hundred thousand downloads a month, that's when it makes sense to really start running a bunch of ads on your show. Exactly. That's the point. That's 0.1% of podcasts. So I think a lot of people get into it with the wrong motive and they're like, okay, when can I monetize? That's why we take a, a more similar approach to what you're doing with your show, which is we want to work with small businesses, help them launch a podcast that builds trust and authority with their audience, yeah. and then also advise them to have a really profitable business on the back end. So right. the purpose of the podcast has to shift to where it's like, we, we tell our audience we do not really want to work with you unless you're looking at this in the next 12 to 24 months of vision. Like over the next 12 to 24 months, do you want to build an audience that's loyal, that's focused, that's coming to you every week, kind of right. to learn and to be educated and inspired? If you are, then a podcast is great for you. And those people will slowly start to come to your business. If you're looking to get sponsors in the next two months, if you're looking to get your money invested back in the next couple months, it's not that that's not possible. It's that that's the wrong mindset. And so I think that's one of the hardest things that we have to overcome with the clients that we work with. I agree. And we're fighting with those people out there um, who are trying to promote their services for helping people get into podcasting and, you know, and things like that, that are saying, you know, yes, this is the sequence you have to do, you know, to start monetizing that podcast, you know, and all this other stuff. Um, I recently went to uh, PodFest. Yeah, Podfest. Um, I was one of the the um, panel speakers there at the most recent one, and we were talking about business and podcasting, or the the business of podcasting. 
And uh, I was up with like uh, three other people and a lot of them, you know, the other three people, they were using their podcasts for that was their main business with me. Like I said, it's a funneling tool. It's a tool used to drive towards the academy. So the different approaches there was completely different as far as that's concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you're fighting those that are out there trying to make a living off of getting others into podcasting, um, it kind of, you know, uh, defeats the purpose. So it's important that we're, we're talking about this now about the other side of podcasting, you know, and, and how you can use podcasting to drive your brand into your main business. Yeah. And there's still so much room like, YouTube, there is the, the, and I might be wrong in these numbers. And so if I am, I apologize in advance, but just this last week, like I heard somebody from YouTube that was talking about podcast movement. And I believe the numbers they said was about, it was around 40 to 50 million active YouTube channels. So that's YouTube channels that are posting actively. Mm -hmm. Um, There's far more than that, that are inactive, active podcast channels for sure less than a million, probably more like 500,000. So when you look at that, like there still is an opportunity for like one to 200 X. Right. What there are is active podcast channels. That doesn't mean that everybody would be successful. You know, 10 years ago, number of YouTube channels that had a million subscribers, zero. Yeah. Now over, I think it's over 10,000. Um, it might even be more than that. And so um, the point is whether the numbers are perfectly accurate or whether I'm remembering them correctly or not. The point is there's still a ton of opportunity mm-hmm. for the podcast industry to to grow and for there to be more and more podcasts that might have a few hundred or a few thousand listeners, but they're the right listeners. Right. And so then podcasters are able to be have a sustainable business model behind their podcast. Yes. So with that being said, though, it's also important, even if we're not going to monetize our podcast, to understand the different tools that you can use to push that brand out there. You know, yeah, whether it absolutely. be YouTube or whether it be your 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 podcasting um, uh, host, you know, or anything like that. Using those tools are important to get that message out there, that brand message out there. So yeah. there, there are many podcast formats which do you prefer or which ones do you feel has the most impact i think that it depends on your audience and this is the conversation we have with everybody like it really depends on who your audience is what type of content are they consuming and so um i do think that interview-based shows like this one and like mine the small business storytellers Um, I think that we need to step up our game. Um, there's a lot of interview based shows now, you know, three, four years ago, there was less interview business shows. It was kind of unique, just that you had one now there's way, way more. And so that's something where we're looking at it and really trying to say, what is, ask the, ask the question, what is the best format and the best way to communicate this message to this audience, as opposed to just, okay, let's mimic this podcast. And so um, I'm kind of like redoing my podcast right now because I'm realizing I, as the host, am actually kind of exhausted and tired of just doing kind of more and more interviews. And so we're looking at 
how can we change the format to be more energizing for us, but also bring more value to our audience and stand out. One of the clients that I just, the reason I was late for this recording, apologies, is because I was, we're onboarding a client and they're in the healthcare industry, typically a very stoic, pretty stuffy industry. And they're launching a podcast called Funny Business. Um, And they're really going to be focused on exposing some of the crazy stuff that's happening in healthcare. And it's going to be a humorous show. And so I think that's really intriguing to me because they're looking at it and saying, what's going to cause us to stand out? So there's not a right, there's not one format that's better than the other. It really does depend on what type of content will be engaging for your audience. Um, You know, you're not going to launch a kid's show a kid's podcast that's three hours long. Yeah. We want to look at, okay, what kind of, sh- what kind of format's going to be good for kids and how can we stand out and be unique in that? Right. Right. Exactly. No, that's, that's, that's good advice there. You know, it's, it's, um, it's something to look at. You know, I, I conduct mostly all interview. In fact, even my testimonials, when I get my testimonials from my clients, it is an interview process. And then I kind of edit together the, the, the testimonial, but by mm-hmm. posing those questions to them, they feel more comfortable talking, mm-hmm. you know, as far as that's concerned. So what is one important piece of advice that you can give any coach or consultant that comes to you? I would say, I would say don't hesitate to like really be sharing your expertise. I think a lot of people there you know, they kind of wait for people to come to them. I would say for coaches and consultants, like be use a tool like a podcast to be able to show the world your expertise, your knowledge. Also, if you can't deliver an articulate 10-minute podcast episode as a coach, um, then you probably need to know that data. That's important for you to be able to know. It's important for you to get that practice. And if you can, if in a 10, 20-minute episode, you absolutely crush it and you deliver value. And the people that are listening, they see that you know what you're talking about, you know your stuff and you're really helpful. They're going to be more likely to hire you. So I think even if you feel nervous about like, man, I don't know if I could be in podcasting, recognize that like a podcast or starting to stream or different things, there's a lot of different ways you could do it, but start to share your expertise with other people get it out in the world and just commit to getting better and better at it. Cause that's going to strengthen your coaching. That's going to strengthen how you communicate with others. And also it's going to give people out there kind of an opportunity as your fringe audience, as they see more of your content, they're going to see, okay, this person is credible. They're articulate. They know what they're talking about. They can help me. And they're going to pick up the phone and call you. Well, and, and, and this gets back to the storytelling side of things. Okay. If you're going to be doing a podcast and you're going to be um, touting what you can do, okay, telling that story from your customer's perspective, putting them in the role of the hero and how you were able to help them with their problem is what's going to draw those people in. Yeah. Am I absolutely saying that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, tell me what your brand story is. Yeah, that's a good uh that's a good question and I I don't have as clear an answer as I have for our clients, which is something we're working on internally and I'm kind of being transparent about that. Um because uh it's always easier to tell you uh, other people's stories than your own and that's something that even I struggle with and even we struggle with. 
Um, you know, for us, like my story really starts, uh, actually watching the Super Bowl in college starts much earlier than that, but that was kind of the first key moment where I was watching the Super Bowl. I can't remember which one Tom Brady was probably in it. Um, and so it's probably just cheering for somebody other than Tom Brady. And I remember being excited for the ads and then just being really disappointed. And I remember after that Super Bowl thinking to myself, what would happen if more companies, instead of just showing more of their products, what if they shared the impact their company was making? Maybe impact through products, maybe impact through philanthropy, but what if they spent some of their marketing money on philanthropy and then told those stories? What would happen? And that question kind of led me down a path of just, I felt like for the next two to three years, I was hyper aware of brand storytelling and how brands were doing it. And then I, I initially, I was working as a marketing director for a nonprofit and I felt like, you know, I'm buying from companies. I'm loyal to companies because I know they're making an impact and they're talking about that impact. They're telling those stories yet. Most businesses, they're still just mostly talking about their prices and their features and their widgets and their discounts. They're not talking about the stories. So I felt like there was this gap in the marketplace where people are buying based off of stories, but brands are not marketing based off stories. So that was when I started story on in for the next about four years, I did a lot of different things connected to brand storytelling, kind of any type of story you could, you could think of. And that helped me to realize that I cannot serve everybody. Um, and I cannot tell stories in every single way. And that led me to podcasting. Um, we were getting really good feedback about our podcast, and that led me to realize, okay, there's a hundred different things I feel like I could do. We're going to pick one. We're going to try and be really, really good at helping brands tell stories through podcasting. And that was about two and a half years ago. And it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. And now we exclusively work with, with podcasts and building brands authentically through podcasting. That's excellent. That's excellent. No, definitely. You know, my story, it boils, uh, it, it basically comes from the fact that I've failed twice in business before, you know, so as I'm working as a strategist with, with micro business owners and small and medium business owners, I personally know what they're going through and struggling to grow these small businesses. So therefore that's why I bring to the table with my company, bring the tools that I learned going back to college and through my experience with those two failed businesses, bringing those tools so that they can avoid the same mistakes that I made, you know, as far as that's concerned. So it's, it's really, you know, um, you know, the story behind, you know, the why you do things is extremely important. And that's where people need to understand when they're talking about their brand story, the why you know, mm-hmm. Simon Sinek says, you know, start with why, what, what is your passion for this mm-hmm. and why are you doing it? So what is the biggest challenge you're facing in your role or your business or project right now? Yeah. And how um, are you tackling it? So I would say our biggest challenge is growth um, and growth in a couple different ways. I say growth, not sales. Um with the vision that I have for our company, like I want to grow. Um, and we have good reasons behind that. And there's good things. Like I have specific like goals and philanthropy ideas and things that we're wanting to incorporate as a company of why we want to grow. 
And so figuring out the best way to do that um, and also figuring out the team side of how to scale that up. So a lot of our focus over the last year and my focus has been trying to get the right team members in place so that our team can actually grow in a way that doesn't overwhelm people and in a way that values our team. Um, and also how to grow in a way that provides the resources for our team um, and grow in a path that doesn't burn out our team. So the main way that we're growing right now is through some really strategic partnerships. And so instead of us going out there and trying to get, you know, one and two clients here and there, we're really focusing on who are some partners and companies that we would love to work with for the next five years and how can we provide value to them and their clients. Yeah. And that's making it a little bit more consistent um, for us. It's uh, yeah. So that's one of the strategies that we're working with, but I think growing the business um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a young business owner and there's a lot of questions I have about growing a business and I'm learning as much as I can. And I'm excited to be learning that. But that's at the top of my mind right now is like, how do I really grow a business in a healthy and sustainable way? Um, that includes revenue, that includes me leading. And so that's something, those are the conversations I'm really having right now um, with some people in my circle and trying to learn as much as I can about. Well, any questions, give me a call. You know, that's exactly what I do working with my clients, you know, uh, teaching them how and helping them scale. That's great. Which is extremely important. Um, any last minute tips or comments you want to leave our audience with? I, I don't think so. I would just encourage people that uh, if you know if you've been feeling like podcasting is a space you've been interested in going into, but maybe it's oversaturated. It's not. There's still so much room in the space. Um, the majority of the people you know that are podcasting now are going to quit. Um, and so I think I just encourage people to try it out. And also maybe you podcast for six months and realize I learned a lot, but this is not for me and that's okay too. But I think it's a really good platform that helps you to get better at storytelling and better at crafting your message and better at talking to people. And those are really important skills on our journey. So I'd encourage people to make the jump. Um, and if we can help you do that, then we'd be happy to. Excellent. Excellent. So with that being said, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on most social media platforms by searching my name, Seth Silvers. Um, but the main place is go to our website, which is successwithstories.com. And uh, you can get in contact with our team there. Um, and I see all those contacts and would love to get in touch with anybody. Very good. So that's it, guys. Um, I want to thank you all for joining us today. Please subscribe to Charged Up Studio and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you happen to be on today. You can also go to Charged Up Studio Facebook page and leave a review there. If you want to learn more about uh, different topics or skill sets associated with growing a successful business, visit our online e-learning platform called marketatomy.academy. We look forward to talking with you again next week for another exciting episode where small businesses get charged up for success. Until next week, we'll talk to you later. Thank you, Seth. Thanks so much.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.